Act One of Belinda, an April Folly in Three Acts by A. A. Milne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Characters Stage Directions Read by Larry Wilson. Belinda Tremaine, read by Lynette Calkins. Delia, Belinda's daughter, read by Devora Allen. Harold Baxter, read by E. J. Wiley. Claude Devonish, read by Johann Supertramp. John Tremaine, read by Michael Fascio. Betty, read by T. J. Burns. The action takes place in Belinda's country house in Devonshire at the end of April, the first act in the garden, and the second and last acts in the hall. Act One. It is a lovely April afternoon, a foretaste of summer, in Belinda's garden. Betty, a middle-aged servant, is fastening a hammock, its first appearance this year, to a tree down left. In front there is a garden table with a deck chair on the right of it, and a straight-backed one to the left. There are books, papers, and magazines on the table. Belinda, of whom we shall know more presently, is on the other side of the open windows, which look on to the garden, talking to Betty, who crosses right of hammock, securing it to tree center. Belinda from inside the house. Are you sure you're tying it up tightly enough, Betty? Betty coming to front of hammock. Yes, ma'am, I think it's firm. Because I'm not the fairy I used to be. Betty testing hammock. Uh, yes, ma'am, it's quite firm at this end, too. Belinda entering from portico with sunshade open. It's not the ends I'm frightened of. It's the middle where the weight's coming. Comes down right and admiring. It looks very nice. She crosses at back of the wicker table, hanging her handbag on hammock, closes and places her sunshade at back of tree center. Yes, ma'am. Belinda trying the middle of it with her hand. I asked them at the stores if they were quite sure it would bear me, and they said it would take anything up to... I forget how many tons. I know I thought it was rather rude of them. Looking at it anxiously and trying to get in, first with her right leg, then her left. How does one get in? So trying to be a sailor. I think you sit at it, ma'am, and then... Explaining with her hands. Throw your legs over. I see. She sits gingerly in the hammock, and then with a sudden flutter of white, does what Betty suggests. Yes. Regretfully. I'm afraid that was rather wasted on you, Betty. We must have some spectators next time. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Cushions. Betty moves to and takes a cushion from the deck chair. Belinda assists her to place it at the back of her head. Betty then goes to back of hammock and arranges Belinda's dress. There. Now then, Betty, about callers. Yes, ma'am. If Mr. Baxter calls, he is the rather prim gentleman. Yes, ma'am. The one who's been here several times before. Moves to below and left of hammock. Belinda giving Betty a quick look. Yes. Well, if he calls, you'll say, not at home. Yes, ma'am. He will say, Imitating Mr. Baxter. Oh, er, oh, er, really. 
then you'll smile very sweetly and say i beg your pardon was it mr baxter and he'll say yes and you'll say oh i beg your pardon sir this way please yes ma'am that's right betty well now if mr devonish calls he is the rather poetical gentleman yes ma'am the one who's always coming here belinda with a pleased smile yes well if he calls you'll say not at home yes ma'am he'll immediately extending her arms descriptively throw down his bunch of flowers and dive despairingly into the moat you'll stop him just as he is going in and say i beg your pardon sir was it mr devonish and he will say yes and you will say oh i beg your pardon sir this way please yes ma'am and suppose they both call together belinda nonplussed for a moment oh we won't suppose anything so exciting betty no ma'am and suppose any other gentleman calls belinda with a sigh there aren't any other gentlemen it might be a clergyman come to ask for a subscription like if it's a clergyman betty i shall i shall want your assistance out of the hammock first yes ma'am that's all betty crosses below table and chairs to porch to anybody else i'm not at home trying to secure a book on table and nearly falling out of the hammock oh just give me that little green book pointing to books on the table the one at the bottom there that's the one betty gives it to her thank you reading the title the lute of love by claude devonish to herself as she turns the pages it doesn't seem much for half a crown when you think of the daily telegraph lute lute i should have quite a pretty mouth if i kept on saying that with a great deal of expression lute she pats her mouth back is that all ma'am that's all betty prepares to go oh what am i thinking of waving to the table i want that review i think it's the blue one as betty begins to look it has an article by mr baxter on the rise of lunacy in the eastern counties betty gives her the nineteenth century magazine yes that's the one i'd better have that too i'm just at the most exciting place you shall have it after me betty is that all ma'am yes that really is all betty goes into the house belinda reading to herself very pronouncedly it is a matter of grave concern to all serious students of social problems putting the review down in hammock and shaking her head gently but not in april lazily opening the book and reading tell me where is love well that's the question isn't it she lies back in the hammock lazily and the book of poems falls from her to the ground delia comes into the garden from paris she is decidedly a modern girl pretty and self-possessed her hair is halfway up waiting for her birthday perhaps she sees her mother suddenly stops and then goes on tiptoe to the head of the hammock she smiles and kisses her mother on the forehead belinda looking supremely unconscious goes on sleeping delia kisses her lightly again belinda wakes up with an extraordinarily natural start and is just about to say 
mr devonish you mustn't when she sees delia delia they kiss each other frantically well mummy aren't you glad to see me my darling child say you're glad belinda sitting up my darling i'm absolutely delia crosses round to left of hammock hold the hammock while i get out dear we don't want an accident delia holds the left end of it and belinda struggles out leaving the magazine and her handkerchief in the hammock Whew, they're all right when you're there and they'll bear two tons but they're horrid getting in and out of kissing her again darling it really is you oh it is jolly seeing you again i believe you were asleep belinda with dignity certainly not child i was reading the nineteenth century with an air and after earnestly darling wasn't it next thursday you were coming back no this thursday silly belinda penitently oh my darling and i was going over to paris to bring you home i half expected you so confusing they're both being called thursday and you were leaving school for the very last time if you don't forgive me delia i shall cry delia kissing her and stroking her hand fondly silly mother belinda sits down in the deck-chair and delia sits on the table isn't it a lovely day for april darling i've wanted to say that to somebody all day and you're the first person who's given me the chance oh i said it to betty but she only said yes ma'am poor mother belinda jumping up suddenly crossing left of and kissing delia again i simply must have another one and to think that you're never going back to school any more looking at her fondly and backing to left darling you are looking pretty am i lovely she kisses her once more then she takes the cushion from the hammock moves it back of table and places it on the head of the deck-chair and now you're going to stay with me for just as long as you want a mother anxiously moving to right of deck-chair darling you didn't mind being sent away to school did you it is the usual thing you know silly mother of course it is belinda relieved and sitting on deck-chair i'm so glad you think so too have you been very lonely without me belinda with a sly look at delia very delia turning to belinda and holding up a finger the truth mummy i've missed you horribly delia primly the absence of female companionship of the requisite are you really all alone belinda smiling mysteriously and coyly well not always of course delia excitedly as she slips off the table and backing to left a little mummy i believe you're being bad again really darling you forget that i'm old enough to be in fact am your mother delia nodding her head you are being bad belinda rising with dignity and drawing herself up to her full height moving left my child that is not the way to-oh i say what a lot taller i am than you turning her back to delia and comparing sizes and prettier belinda playfully rubbing noses with delia oh do you think so firmly but pleased don't be silly child delia holding up a finger now tell me all that's been happening here at once belinda with a sigh and i was just going to ask you how you were getting on with your french sits in deck-chair 
bother french you've been having a much more interesting time than i have so you've got to tell belinda with a happy sigh oh she sinks back into her chair delia taking off her coat is it like the count at scarborough belinda surprised and pained my darling what do you mean don't you remember the count who kept proposing to you at scarborough i do places coat on hammock belinda reproachfully dear one you were the merest child paddling about on the beach and digging castles delia smiling to herself i was old enough to notice the count belinda sadly and i'd bought her a perfectly new spade how one deceives oneself delia at table and leaning across with hands on table and then there was the m p who proposed at windermere yes dear but it wasn't seconded i mean he never got very far with it and the artist in wales darling child what a memory you have no wonder your teachers are pleased with you delia settling herself comfortably in deck-chair left of belinda and lying in her arms now tell me all about this one belinda meekly which one delia excitedly oh are there lots belinda severely only two two you abandoned woman it's something in the air darling i've never been in devonshire in april before is it really serious this time belinda pained i wish you wouldn't say this time delia it sounds so unromantic if you'd only put it into french cette fois it sounds so much better cette fois parentally when one's daughter has just returned from an expensive schooling in paris one likes to feel what i meant dear was am i to have a stepfather at last now you're being too french darling why do you still think father may be alive why not it's only eighteen years since he left us and he was quite a young man then yes but surely surely you'd have heard from him in all those years if he'd been alive well he hasn't heard from me and i'm still alive delia looking earnestly at her mother rises and moves left centre i shall never understand it understand what were you as heavenly when you were young as you are now belinda rapturously oh i was sweet and yet he left you after only six months belinda rather crossly sitting up i wish you wouldn't keep on saying he left me i left him too delia running to and kneeling in front of belinda and looking anxiously into her face why belinda smiling to herself well you see he was quite certain he knew how to manage women and i was quite certain i knew how to manage men thoughtfully if only one of us had been certain it would have been all right delia seriously what really happened mummy i'm grown up now so i think you ought to tell me belinda thoughtfully that was about all you know except for his beard had he a beard laughing <laughs> how funny belinda roaring with laughter in which delia joins <laughs> yes dear it was but he never would see it he took it quite seriously and did you say dramatically if you really loved me you'd take it off belinda apologetically i'm afraid i did darling and what did he say he said very rudely 
that if I loved him, I'd do my hair in a different way. Delia sinks down on her haunches, facing the audience. How <laughs> ridiculous! Belinda, touching her hair. Of course, I didn't do it like this then. I suppose we never ought to have married, really. Why did you? Mother rather wanted it. Solemnly. Delia, never get married because your mother... Oh, I forgot. I'm your mother. And I don't want a better one. They embrace. And so you left each other? Yes. But, darling, didn't you tell him there was going to be a me? Oh, no. I wonder why not. Well, you see, if I had, he might have wanted to stay. But... Belinda hurt. If he didn't want to stay for me, I didn't want him to stay for you. Penitently. Forgive me, darling, but I didn't know you very well then. We've been very happy together, haven't we? Delia going to the hammock, sitting in it and dangling her legs. I should think we have. Belinda leaning back in chair. I don't want to deny you anything, and of course, if you'd like a stepfather. Looking down modestly. Or two. Oh, you have been enjoying yourself. Only you see how awkward it would be if Jack turned up in the middle of the wedding, like, like Eugene Aram. Enoch Arden, darling. It's very confusing their having the same initials. Perhaps I'd better call them both E.A. in future, and then I shall be safe. Well, anyhow, it would be awkward, darling, wouldn't it? Not that I should know him from Adam after all these years, except for a mole on his left arm. Perhaps Adam had a mole. No, darling, you're thinking of Noah. He had two. Delia thoughtfully. I wonder what would happen if you met somebody whom you really did fall in love with. Belinda reproachfully. Now you're being serious, and it's April. Aren't these two, the present two, serious? Oh, no. They think they are, but they aren't a bit, really. Besides, I'm doing them such a lot of good. I'm sure they'd hate to marry me, but they love to think they're in love with me. And I love it, and... and they love it, and... and we all love it. Delia rising and crossing to Belinda. You really are the biggest, darlingest baby who ever lived. Kisses her. Do say I shan't spoil your lovely times. Belinda surprised. Spoil them? Why, you'll make them more lovely than ever. Delia turning away and sitting on table. Well, but do they know you have a grown-up daughter? Belinda suddenly realizing and sitting up. Oh. It doesn't really matter, because you don't look a day more than thirty. Belinda absently. No. Hurriedly. I mean, how sweet of you, only... What? Belinda playing with her rings. Well, one of them, Mr. Baxter, Harold. She looks quickly up at Delia, and down again in pretty affectation. But she is really laughing at herself all the time. He writes statistical articles for the reviews, percentages, and all those things. He's just the sort of man, if he knew that I was your mother, to work it out that I was more than thirty. The other one, Mr. Devonish, Claude. She looks up and down as before. He's rather, rather poetical. He thinks I came straight from heaven last week. Delia laughing and jumping up and crossing below deck chair to write towards house. <laughs> I think I'd better go straight back to Paris. 
belinda jumping up and catching her firmly by the left arm you will do nothing of the sort pulling delia back to centre you will take off that hat she lets go of the arm and begins to take out the pen which is a perfect duck and i don't know why i didn't say so before she puts the hat down on the table and let me take a good look at you she does so and kiss you she does so then crosses delia below her and takes her towards the house and then we'll go to your room and unpack and have a lovely talk about clothes and then we'll have tea but he comes in and stands up at back and now here's betty coming in to upset all our delightful plans just when we've made them belinda and delia are now on betty's right delia leaving belinda and shaking hands with betty how are you betty i've left school very nicely thank you miss backing to left and admiring you've grown belinda moving too and patting the top of delia's head i'm much taller than she is crossing to betty in front of delia well betty what is it the two gentlemen mr baxter and mr devonish have both called together ma'am belinda excited oh how how very simultaneous of them delia eagerly going towards house oh do let me see them belinda stopping her darling you'll see plenty of them before you're finished to betty in an exaggerated whisper what have you done with them they're waiting in the hall ma'am while i said i would see if you were at home all right betty give me two minutes and then show them out here yes ma'am betty crosses below belinda and delia and exits into the house belinda taking delia down right a step they can't do too much harm to each other in two minutes delia taking her hat from table well i'll go and unpack she goes back to belinda you really won't mind my coming down afterwards of course not a little awkwardly taking delia's arm and moving down right darling one i wonder if you'd mind just at first being introduced as my niece by now at foot of deck chair you see i expect they're in a bad temper already now center having come here together and we don't want to spoil their day entirely delia smiling on belinda's left i'll be your mother if you like oh no that wouldn't do because then mr baxter would feel that he ought to ask your permission before paying his attentions to me he's just that sort of man a niece is so safe however good you are at statistics you can't really prove anything all right mummy belinda enjoying herself you'd like to be called by a different name wouldn't you there's something so thrilling about taking a false name such a lot of adventures begin like that how would you like to be miss robinson darling it's a nice easy one to remember persuasively and you shall put your hair up so as to feel more disguised what fun we're going to have <laughs> you baby all right then i'm miss robinson your favorite niece she takes her jacket from hammock and moves towards the house how sweet of you no no not that way you'll meet them following quickly up between tree and table to delia who has now reached the house oh i'm coming with you to do your hair moving up centre arm in arm with delia you don't think you're going to be allowed to do it yourself when so much depends on it 
and husbands leave you because of it and belinda seeing betty entering from house hurries delia upright and they bob down behind the yew hedge right betty comes from the house into the garden crossing to centre and upstage looking for belinda followed by mr baxter and mr devonish baxter gives an angry look round at devonish as he enters mr baxter is forty-five prim and erect with close-trimmed moustache and side-whiskers his clothes are dark and he wears a bowler hat mr devonish is a long-haired good-looking boy in a negligee costume perhaps twenty-two years old and very scornful of the world baxter crosses left below betty and turns to her with a sharp inquiring glance devonish moves down right languidly admiring the garden betty looking about her surprised the mistress was here a moment ago two heads pop up from behind the hedge and then down again immediately belinda and delia excellent right i expect she'll be back directly if you'll just wait she goes back into the house baxter crossing to right meets devonish who has moved upright baxter is annoyed and with an impatient gesture comes down between the tree and the table to chair left and sits devonish throws his felt hat on to the table and walks to the back of the hammock he sees the review in the hammock and picks it up good heavens baxter she's been reading your article i dare say she's not the only one that's only guesswork going to back of table you don't know of anyone else baxter with contempt how many people may i ask have bought your poems devonish loftily i don't write for the mob i think i may say that of my own work baxter i don't want to disappoint you but i have reluctantly come to the conclusion that you are one of the mob throws magazine down on table annoyed dash it what are you doing in the country at all in a bowler hat if i wanted to be personal i could say why don't you get your hair cut only that form of schoolboy humor doesn't appeal to me this is not a personal matter i am protesting on behalf of nature leaning against tree what do the birds and the flowers and the beautiful trees think of your hat if one began to ask oneself what the birds thought of things he pauses well and why shouldn't one ask oneself it is better than asking oneself what the stock exchange thinks of things well looking up at devonish's extravagant hair it's the nesting season your hair suddenly <laughs> devonish hastily smoothing it down really baxter you're vulgar he turns away and resumes his promenading going down right and then round deck chair to front of hammock suddenly sees his book on the grass beneath the hammock and makes a dash for it ha my book gloating over it baxter she reads my book i suppose you gave her a copy devonish exultingly yes i gave her a copy my next book will be hers and hers alone then let me say that in my opinion you took a very great liberty liberty and this from a man who is continually forcing his unwelcome statistics upon her at any rate i flatter myself that there is no suggestion of impropriety in anything that i write i'm not so sure about that baxter what do you mean sir did you read the times this month on the new reviews well oh nothing it just said quote, mr baxter's 
statistics are extremely suggestive. End quote. Baxter makes a gesture of annoyance. I haven't read them, so of course I don't know what you've been up to. Baxter rising, turning away in disgust, and crossing up left. Pah! Poor old Baxter. Puts book of poems down on table and crosses below chair and gathers a daffodil from a large vase down right and say, Poor old Baxter. Ad lib. Baxter moves round back of hammock and right. Collides with Devonish and much annoyed goes down between table and tree towards chair down left. Baxter moving to and leaning against tree right baxter turning to devonish crossly i wish you wouldn't keep calling me baxter harold baxter displays annoyance and continues his walk to left it is only by accident an accident which we both deplore that we have met at all and in any case i am a considerably older man than yourself sits left mr baxter father gesture of annoyance from baxter i have a proposal to make we will leave it to this beautiful flower to decide which of us the lady loves baxter turning round eh devonish pulling off the petals she loves me she loves mr baxter she loves me she loves mr baxter belinda appears in the porch heaven help her she loves me belinda coming down right what are you doing mr devonish devonish throwing away the flower and bowing very low my lady baxter rises quickly baxter removing his bowler hat stiffly good afternoon mrs tremaine she gives her left hand to devonish who kisses it and her right to baxter who shakes it how nice of both of you to come mr devonish and i are inseparable apparently you haven't told me what you were doing mr devonish was it plucking an imaginary flower this year next year or silk satin my lady it was even more romantic than that i have the honor to announce to your ladyship that mr baxter is to be a sailor dancing round imitating the hornpipe belinda to baxter <laughs> doesn't he talk nonsense he'll grow out of it i did belinda moving down right and then to centre towards hammock oh i hope not i love talking nonsense and i'm ever so old as they both start forward to protest now which one of you will say it first you are as old as the stars and as young as the dawn you are ten years younger than i am what sweet things to say i don't know which i like best where will my lady sit belinda with an exaggerated curtsy i will recline in the hammock and it please thee my lord baxter goes to the right of the hammock saying allow me devonish moves to the left of the hammock and holds it takes up a cushion which baxter snatches from him and places in hammock again only it's rather awkward getting in mr baxter perhaps you'd both better look at the tulips for a moment oh yes crosses down right turns his back to the hammock and examines the flowers devonish leaning over her if only you'd better not say anything mr devonish keep it for your next volume he turns away and examines flowers on left she sits on hammock one two three throws her legs over 
that was better than last time they turn round to see her safely in the hammock devonish leans against the left tree at her feet and baxter draws the deck-chair from the right side of the table and turns it round towards her he presses his hat more firmly on and sits down i wonder if either of you can guess what i've been reading this afternoon devonish looking at her lovingly i know belinda giving him a fleeting look how did you know well i belinda to baxter yes mr baxter it was your article i was reading if you'd come five minutes earlier you'd have found me wrestling i mean reveling in it i'm very greatly honored mrs tremaine uh, it seemed to me a very interesting curve showing the rise and fall of i hadn't got up to the curves they are interesting aren't they they are really more in mr devonish's line to devonish mr devonish it was a great disappointment to me that all the poems in your book seemed to be written to somebody else it was before i met you lady they were addressed to the goddess of my imagination it is only in these last few weeks that i have discovered her and discovered she was dark and not fair she will be dark in my next volume oh how nice of her baxter kindly you should write a real poem to mrs tremaine belinda excitedly oh do to belinda i don't know what rhymes except cinder you could say your heart was like a cinder all burnt up devonish pained oh my lady i'm afraid that is a cockney rhyme how thrilling i've never been to hampstead heath belinda it is far too beautiful to rhyme with anything but itself fancy but what about tremaine singing oh i am mrs tremaine and i don't want to marry again devonish protesting my lady baxter protesting belinda belinda pointing excitedly to baxter there that's the first time he's called me belinda this naughty boy indicating devonish is always doing it by accident are you serious not as a rule you're not going to marry again well who could i marry devonish and baxter together me, me. belinda dropping her eyes modestly but this is england baxter rising and taking off his hat which he places on table and going up to belinda mrs tremaine i claim the right of age of my greater years to speak first mrs tremaine i belinda kindly to devonish you can speak afterwards mr devonish it's so awkward when you both speak together to baxter giving encouragement yes baxter moving down a little and then returning to belinda mrs tremaine i am a man of substantial position devonish sniggers to baxter's great annoyance and perhaps i may say of some repute in serious circles devonish sniggers again all that i have whether of material or mental endowment i lay at your feet together with an admiration which i cannot readily put into words as my wife i think you would be happy and i feel that with you by my side i could achieve even greater things how sweet of you but i ought to tell you that i'm no good at figures devonish protesting my lady i don't mean what you mean mr devonish you wait till it's your turn to baxter yes baxter very formally 
I ask you to marry me, Belinda. Belinda settling herself happily and closing her eyes. Oh, now it's your turn, Mr. Devonish. Devonish excitedly. Money, thank heaven, I have no money. Reputation, thank heaven, I have no reputation. Baxter, very annoyed, moves down and sits on deck chair. What can I offer you? Dreams? Nothing but dreams. Come with me, and I will show you the world through my dreams. What can I give you? Youth, freedom, beauty. Debts. Belinda, still with her eyes shut. You mustn't interrupt, Mr. Baxter. Devonish leaning across hammock. Belinda, marry me, and I will open your eyes to the beauty of the world. Come to me. Belinda, happily. Oh, you've got such different ways of putting things. How can I choose between you? Then you will marry one of us? You know, I really oughtn't to. I don't see why not. Well, there's just a little difficulty in the way. What is it? I will remove it. For you, I could remove anything. Yes, even Baxter. He looks at Baxter, who is sitting more solidly than ever in his chair. And anyhow, I should have to choose between you. Devonish, in a whisper. Choose me. Baxter, stiffly. Mrs. Tremaine does not require any prompting. A fair field, and let the best man win. Devonish going across to and slapping the astonished Baxter on the back. Aye, let the best man win. Well spoken, Baxter. Baxter is very annoyed to Belinda and going back to her left. Send us out into the world upon some knightly quest, lady, and let the victor be rewarded. I er, ought to say that I should be unable to go very far. I have an engagement to speak at Newcastle on the 21st. Baxter, I will take no unfair advantage of you. Let the beard of the Lord Mayor of Newcastle be the talisman that my lady demands. I am satisfied. This sort of thing is entirely contrary to my usual mode of life. But I will not be outfaced by a mere boy. Rising. I am prepared. Going to her. Speak, lady. Belinda speaking in a deep, mysterious voice. Gentlemen, ye put wild thoughts into my head. In sooth, I am minded to send ye forth upon a quest that is passing strange. Know ye that there is a maid journeyed hither, Hight Robinson, whose— In her natural voice. What's the old for aunt? Baxter, hopefully. Mother, sister. You know, I think I shall have to explain this in ordinary language. You won't mind very much, will you, Mr. Devonish? It is the spirit of this which matters, not the language which clothes it. Oh, I'm so glad you think so. Well, now, about Miss Robinson. She's my niece, and she's just come to stay with me. And, poor girl, she's lost her father. Absolutely lost him. He disappeared ever such a long time ago. And poor Miss Robinson, Delia, naturally wants to find him. Poor girl. She can't think where he is. Devonish nobly. I will find him. Oh, thank you, Mr. Devonish. Miss Robinson would be ever so much obliged. Yes, er, but what have we to go upon, beyond the fact that his name is Robinson? I shouldn't go on that too much. You see, he may easily have changed it by now. He was never very much of a Robinson. 
nothing to do with peter or any of those i will find him baxter with a look of annoyance at devonish well can you tell us what he's like well it's such a long time since i saw him looking down modestly of course i was quite a girl then the only thing i know for certain is that he has a mole on his left arm about here she indicates a spot just below the elbow baxter examines it closely devonish folding his arms and looking nobly upwards i will find him i am bound to inform you mrs tremaine that even a trained detective could not give you very much hope in such a case however i will keep a lookout for him and of course if fear not lady i will find him baxter annoyed yes you keep on saying that but what have you got to go on devonish grandly faith the faith which moves mountains yes and this is only just one small molehill mr baxter yes but still Shh. here is miss robinson baxter takes up his hat and moves below the deck-chair to right to meet delia if mr devonish will hold the hammock while i alight we don't want an accident delia comes out of the house i can introduce you he helps her to get out holding the hammock thank you delia darling delia moves down right this is mr baxter and mr devonish my niece miss robinson delia shakes hands with baxter and moves to centre below belinda and shakes hands with devonish how do you do miss robinson has just come over from france mon dieu quel place i hope you had a good crossing miss robinson oh i never mind about the crossing very slowly and shyly aunt belinda she stops and smiles yes dear i believe tea is almost ready i want mine and i'm sure mr baxter's hungry he snickers approvingly <laughs> mr devonish scorns food i expect devonish hurt why do you say that aren't you a poet yes darling but that doesn't prevent him eating he'll be absolutely lyrical over betty's sandwiches you won't deny me that inspiration i hope miss robinson belinda taking delia's arm and moving with her to below deck chair well let's go and see what they're like delia moves up right centre to below the porch accompanied by baxter on her right and devonish who follows her on her left they all move towards the porch mr baxter just a moment baxter apologizing to delia and moving in front of the others to back of deck chair yes delia gathers a daffodil from vase right and places it in devonish's buttonhole belinda secretly not a word to her about mr robinson it must be a surprise for her quite so i understand that's right baxter rejoins delia raising her voice oh mr devonish devonish who is evidently much attracted by delia apologizes to her and goes back between tree and hammock to left of belinda yes mrs tremaine belinda secretly not a word to her about mr robinson it must be a surprise for her of course i shouldn't dream indignantly robinson what an unsuitable name baxter and delia are just going into the house belinda dismissing devonish all right i'll catch you up 
Devonish goes after the other two. Left alone, Belinda laughs happily to herself, <laughs> and then begins to look rather aimlessly about her. She picks up her sunshade and opens it. She comes to the hammock, picks out her handkerchief, says, Ah, there you are, and puts it away. She goes slowly towards the house. Tremaine enters from left, and with his back to the audience, tries latch of imaginary gate below scenic painted gateway, left. Belinda turns her head, hearing imaginary click of the garden gate, left. She comes slowly back, right center. Belinda, seeing Tremaine. Have you lost yourself, or something? No, the latch is this side. Yes, that's right. Tremaine comes in. He has been knocking about the world for eighteen years, and is very much a man, though he has kept his manners. His hair is graying a little at the sides, and he looks the forty-odd that he is. Without his moustache and beard, he is very different from the boy Belinda married. Tremaine with his hat in his hand. I'm afraid I'm trespassing. Belinda winningly, moving down right a little. But it's such a pretty garden. Turns away, closing her parasol. Isn't it? Tremaine, half recognizing her, moves to back of hammock and leans across to obtain a better view of her. Tremaine, rather confused. I, I beg your pardon, I, uh... He is wondering if it can possibly be she. Belinda thinks his confusion is due to the fact that he is trespassing and hastens to put him at ease. I should have done the same myself, you know. Tremaine, pulling himself together. Oh, but you mustn't think I just came in because I liked the garden. Belinda, clapping her hands. No, but say you do like it. Quick. It's lovely, and... He hesitates. Belinda, hopefully. Yes. Tremaine, with conviction. Yes, it's lovely. Belinda, with that happy sigh of hers. Oh, now tell me what really did happen. I was on my way to Marytown. To where? Marytown. Oh, you mean Meryton. Do I? Yes, we always call it Meryton down here. Earnestly. You don't mind, do you? Tremaine smiling. Not a bit. Just say it, to see if you've got it right. Meryton. Belinda shaking her head. Oh no, that's quite wrong. Try it again. With a rustic accent. Meryton. Meryton. Yes, that's much better. As if it were he who had interrupted. Well, do go on. I'm afraid it isn't much of an apology, really. I saw what looked like a private road. Points left. But what I rather hoped wasn't, and, well, I thought I'd risk it. I do hope you'll forgive me. Oh, but I love people seeing my garden. Are you staying in Meryton? I think so. Oh, yes, decidedly. Well, perhaps the next time the road won't feel so private. How charming of you. He feels he must know. A piano is heard off playing Belinda. The tune is continued until the fall of the curtain. Are you Mrs. Tremaine by any chance? Yes. Tremaine nodding to himself. Yes. How did you know? Tremaine hastily inventing, moving down left, below the hammock. They use you as a signpost in the village. Past Mrs. Tremaine's house and then bear to the left. And you couldn't go past it? I'm afraid I couldn't. 
Thank you so much for not minding. Going up to the left of her. Well, I must be getting on. I have trespassed quite enough. Belinda regretfully. And you haven't really seen the garden yet. If you won't mind my going on this way, I shall see some more on my way out. Please do. It likes being looked at. With the faintest suggestion of demureness. All pretty things do. Thank you very much. Turns to go up center. Uh. He hesitates. Belinda helpfully. Yes? I wonder if you'd mind very much if I called one day to thank you formally for the lesson you gave me in pronunciation. Belinda gravely. Yes, I almost think you ought to. I think it's the correct thing to do. Tremaine contentedly. Thank you very much, Mrs. Tremaine. You'll come in quite formally. Pointed to write with her sunshade. By the front door next time, won't you? Because, because that seems the only chance of my getting to know your name. Oh, I beg your pardon. My name is, uh, Robinson. She is highly amused and looks round towards the house, recalling to her mind Delia. Belinda laughing. <laughs> How very odd. Tremaine startled. Odd? Yes, we have someone called Robinson. Nodding towards the house. Staying in the house. I wonder if she is any relation. Tremaine hastily. Oh, no, 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 she couldn't be. I have no relations called Robinson. Not to speak of. You must tell me all about your relations when you come and call, Mr. Robinson. Oh, I think we can find something better worth talking about than that. Do you think so? He says yes with his eyes, bows, and moves up center. The piano is now forte. Belinda accompanies him up a little, then stops. He turns in entrance up center, and they exchange glances. Tremaine exits to right behind Hedge. Belinda stays looking after him, then moves down to back of table, and picking up the book of poems, gives that happy sigh of hers. Only even more so. Oh! Enter Betty from porch. If you please, ma'am, Miss Delia says, are you coming into tea? Belinda, looking straight in front of her, and taking no notice of Betty, in a happy, dreamy voice. Betty? about callers if mr robinson calls he's the handsome gentleman who hasn't been here before she puts book down you will say not at home and he will say oh and you will say i beg your pardon sir was it mr robinson and he will say yes and you will say oh i beg your pardon sir Almost as if she were Betty, she begins to move towards the house. This way. She would be smiling an invitation over her shoulder to Mr. Robinson, if he were there, and she were Betty. Please. And the abandoned woman goes in to tea. Curtain End of Act One